Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We are so glad you're here. Glad you are joining us. We are here for part two of our conversation talking about slides for speakers. Now, if you missed part one, just definitely go back to the previous week. That's episode 190. And we, uh, myself and Melanie Diesel, uh, my co-host, we talked all about slides. Today, we are here for part two about that. Now, before we get to that, we've actually released a new thing that we are we're pretty excited about. We're ex- excited to see uh, how this works. So if you have an Amazon Echo... We just launched a, a brand new show exclusively in your Alexa app called the Speaker Lab Minute, where we're going to share daily speaking tips all in just about a minute. So just go to your Alexa app, look up the Speaker Lab Minute, add it to your flash briefing. And then as you get ready for your day, you can ask Alexa for your flash briefing and you'll have a brand new speaking tip literally seven days a week. So we'd love to have you uh, subscribe to that. Click, check that out. Myself and Melanie have recorded all of those. And so you get a daily speaking tip, a daily speaking tip. Again, you can find that in your Alexa app with the Speaker Lab Minute. All right. So again, today we are talking about part two of slides. We're going to get into the tech side of slides. We're going to talk about what dimensions, the format of slides, talk about sending your slides ahead of time, using your computer versus theirs, all just the ins and outs of using slides. All right. So uh, let's get right into it. Hope you enjoy this conversation. What's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here, joined once again by Melanie Diesel. We are on part two, talking all about slides. If you haven't listened to the previous episode, make sure you go back and listen to that, where we talked about the content side of slides. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the tech side of slides and all the things that can go wrong with them, how to eliminate that, how to mitigate that, uh, get ahead of that uh, ahead of time. So let's dig into this. Again, just as a quick little recap, you're a fan of slides. You use slides regularly. I'm all about slides. It's not that I'm not a fan of slides. They just, this, I think we can really underscore here, like all the things that can go wrong with them that can make or break a, a presentation. So, so so you can introduce every variable and then I'll talk about how we can avoid it. So it'll be, it'll be perfect, like a pro perfect. con here. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> People sometimes think I, I'm, I'm just anti-slide. I'm not anti-slides. Just a lot that can go wrong, but you're going to tell us how to make sure it doesn't go wrong. So we're, we're good to go. Hopefully. It's, it's, we're safe. Now, actually, as a related episode, back in episode 89, we talked with a friend of mine, Jeff Douglas, who runs a big AV event production company. He talked a lot about how to make sure you look good and sound good. So so if you really want more background on that stuff as well and work with a, an event production company, then that's a uh, another good episode to go listen to. But all right, so let's jump right in on the tech side of this. Let's start with PowerPoint Keynote. Which do you use? 
Now I am a devoted Mac user, but I am super pro PowerPoint. Really? And I think, yeah. And I think, I know that people have very strong feelings here. For me, it's totally about efficiency. I have been using PowerPoint much longer. I'm much yeah. faster when I work with PowerPoint and I know where everything is. So it makes sense for me. The switch cost is too high. I just yeah, keep yeah. working with PowerPoint because I know how to do it quickly. And so it works for me, but I've also used Google slides. I actually really like Google slides. It's to the point where I even build things that are not slides using PowerPoint and Google slides because you can manipulate it you know, instead of using Photoshop or something, you know, it's just a comfort level thing. So I am firmly in the PowerPoint camp. It reminded me, I was talking with a uh, a buddy the other day and he is not a graphic designer at all, but he said he, any like little thing he needed, like if he needed like a quick little image for a blog post or something, he would do it all in PowerPoint and just like, it's not a design program, but it's the one that he was familiar with. And so, yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what he would use. So yeah, I tend to have used uh, PowerPoint as well for similar reasons. I use Google Slides some as well, like you mentioned. I, I tend to use, if I'm using slides, I use slides a lot for webinars. And so I tend to use them, create them in, in Google Slides and that tends to work well. But yeah, pros and cons to, to all of them. I think a matter, like you mentioned, is just like picking one, sticking with it. They all work and figure out which one makes the most sense. And, and like you mentioned, it tends to be the thing that you're, you're already used to. If you're used to Microsoft products, if you're used to Apple products, if you're used to Google products, then probably used to the, the kind of the, the format and flow of those. And the good news is, you know, there was a point in time where which one of these you use could like make or break your presentation from a tech standpoint. Things were not really compatible. It was very difficult to export in other formats, as we'll talk about in a little bit. That's not really the case anymore. So you really do have the freedom to stick with whatever program you're most comfortable with and can create the most efficient and effective slides in. All right. So whatever tool you use is fine. But as you're setting it up there, let's first start by talking about screener resolutions. I made this mistake one time and created a whole presentation. And I was like, oh, it looks awesome. And it was basically in four by three and realized, oh, crap, it needs to be in 16 by nine. So what are the, yeah, I was just like, (laughs) how do I fix this? So um, it took some hours, but we got it resolved. This is one of those things like, I'm not a big like TV movie guy. So I hear these things and I don't, what do they mean? Is it in 16 by nine, basically widescreen? Yeah. Four by three is not. Right. So It's sort of like, you know, we know when you look at your laptop screen, it's not quite as oblong as maybe your TV screen or a movie screen, right? So oftentimes projectors are more square in nature. The projectors can sometimes be more of like a four by three, slightly more squared than rectangular. And then when you were talking about 16 by nine, that's the widescreen where it's much wider, right? Mm -hmm. So it just depends on what they have, what the setup is. So this is something you definitely want to ask upfront because like you said, Changing from one version to the other is not easy, not at all. It's one of those things that as easy as it is to export in different formats, the programs have not caught up with this, the fact that you sometimes will want to change resolutions. So it doesn't just resize, it resizes and reorganize and it destroys your presentation if you try to swap them. So do you have two versions? I do. I do. Yeah. I actually have two. The other thing that I will sometimes do is I, like I said, I don't actually fill the screen, right? I don't have elaborate graphics. For me, it's very minimal. So if I do have to resize, it's, we're talking about resizing just a few stock images that are serving as non-distracting backgrounds and then some keywords that I can just change the font size of and they now fit on the screen again. So that's another advantage of keeping your slides super minimal. If you have a last minute change and you do need to change things from one resolution to another, it won't be totally devastating. Do you ask about all about that ahead of time or how do you know going in or is it just kind of like I go in and okay, therefore here's what you need. 
Oh no, absolutely. I ask this way, way up front before I start building anything custom, because even if you've done just a little bit of work, say like we talked about last time, the customization, you were maybe putting in the company logo or the event hashtag or whatever else, and then you have to do it all over again. That's wasted time that you could be doing literally anything else. So I always ask before I even get started. And it's a good time to also ask about a template, which we hinted at last time too, talking about content. They may have a template that they want you to use and that will be in the correct format. So that's a good hint. Do they tend to know what the slide is going to look like? Because I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking like some of the conferences I've spoke at before, I could see how some of them be like, oh yeah, totally. Here's what we use. And some of them be like, I don't know, whatever they give us, you know? And so like, I guess I, I guess I would assume like some of it depends on the industry and depends on like how much maybe they use slides themselves for the conference itself. Yeah. So, I mean, there's sort of two schools of thought here. If you're asking them and they don't know the answer, hopefully they can ask someone who does have the answer. Yeah. If I don't know the answer, I go with four by three. And, you know, if, if we can't find the answer, if I'm maybe going into a small venue where you can't get in touch with the tech team or they just have a straight up projector, I go with four by three. And the reason for that is the worst case scenario, if your thing is small and the screen is much wider, is you're only going to be in the center of the screen. If you roll in there with widescreen and the screen is narrow, half of your presentation is going to be hanging off each end. That's That's my compromise, my safe bet, if I'm not sure. Sometimes I'll have a version of each just in case, but that's a a lot of extra work. So yeah, I would just ask up front and usually they can track down someone who can get you that answer. All right. So let's assume that you know the resolution what, right. and you started creating it. You're done. There's a lot of different file formats there because I know there's like PPT, PPTX, Keynote file, a PDF. Uh, I know even from presentations I've given like webinars that there's times where I'll use a PDF. There's times where I'll use a PowerPoint. So what do you use and, and what do like most events prefer? So I have found in my experience that most prefer the PowerPoint or the Keynote file. So that would be a PPT the regular PowerPoint, the PBTX is the Mac version of that or the Keynote file if that's your preferred. Um, And the reason for that is they will usually be using either Keynote or PowerPoint to present off of their own machine. If you are using your own machine, your own laptop to present, you have a little bit more flexibility. But yeah, generally speaking, they want an editable version. And that is to your advantage too, because then if they catch a a typo or something isn't working, they have the ability to help, help you troubleshoot that on site, which is good. A PDF, while it does reduce a lot of variables, right? You know, nothing's going to be moving around. There are some some drawbacks. If you have a PDF, you can't use the things we talked about in the last episode to spice it up, right? Like audio clips or video clips. It can it can be a lot more complicated. There are some versions of power of uh, PDFs that do allow those kinds of interactions. But generally speaking, using a PowerPoint file, a PPT, or a uh, keynote file KEY allows you to have more of those animations, you know, where bullets fly in from the screen or words appear or crossfading or playing video and audio. All of that is, is much easier with a editable file from one of your, your programs. And you got to have the bullets fly in from the side. Pew, pew, pew. With the sound yeah. effects. You gotta have the sound right. effects there. If you're gonna do it. <laughs> I mean, Wait, cool. we, should, we should we should clarify that that's not our actual recommendation. Please don't do that. Please, Please don't, don't do, do that. that. No flying, no flying bullets. No, okay. This seems like a simple like tech question, but let's say I'm using Google Slides and they want it in a PowerPoint version. Do I have to make the my slides in turn around and make them in PowerPoint or can I export to a different file format? Yeah. So in most cases you can just, it's either save as, and then you can choose the type before, you know, the same screen you'd get where you would type in the name and select a location to save your file. Right. You can choose from a drop down whether that you want it to be PDF or something else. If you're not seeing the options you want there, then look for an option called export, like file export, and that will allow you to choose other options too. And I believe the same, I believe when you're in Google Slides, it's actually download, download as, and then you can select the file type you want it to download as. 
So you mentioned the possibility of like, if you're using audio or video or any type of transitions or animations there, any type of visual thing that you can't use a PDF. So if you're going to be using any type of audio or video, like that's, that's the part that always makes me nervous is like, is this going to work? You know, if I hit play (laughs) on this, or if I hit the next button on my remote there, what's, you know, what's going to happen? So how do you like, do you always just try to just check that ahead of time? Is that the best thing to do? Yeah. So in my experience, it's one of those variables that I don't like having variables. I don't like to be stressed out. I don't like wondering if it's going to work and having to have a plan. So I generally avoid using video or audio. There are plenty of folks who do and do it well. In my experience, when I show up for my session in the tech guys, they always ask me that. It's the first thing they ask. Do you have any video or audio in your presentation? And every time I say no, they're so relieved. So that leads me to believe it's the safer choice. But if you are going to include video or audio in your presentation, any sort of element that is going to need to animate or do something upon you clicking it, make sure that you show up early, make sure that you connect with your tech guys, make sure that you're working with that team for some sort of rehearsal or an AV check, that you're testing your slides out ahead of time because it is something you want to make sure that it has the effect you want it to and it doesn't totally derail your presentation. So if you have those, show up early, do a check, and uh, probably wouldn't hurt to spoil your AV guys a little bit and get them on your side with a, a gift or a thank you card or something. Totally. Yeah. Those AV guys can make or break you. I, I want them to be my best friends, not my worst enemies. So yeah, there's, I would totally agree. Like anytime I go for a sound check and I, I'm talking with them ahead of time, they're like, all right, what, where are your slides or anything like that? I'm like, no, 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 just give me a mic and we're good to go. They're like, oh yes. Like you can just see, yep. like, they're so excited. Like all we got to worry about is the audio, which, you know, they tinker with at the beginning and then it's pretty much smooth sailing from there. So yeah, making their lives easy makes a big difference. And even like, again, this goes back to stuff we've talked about before, but making sure that when you're testing this stuff, that you are the one that is testing it and you are the one that's making sure. There's some AV teams that are phenomenal and they are on your side and they want to make sure this is great. And some that are like, I'm just here to show up and push a button and leave and that's it. So they're, they will tell you, oh yeah, yeah, it's fine. Just give it to us. It'll, it'll work. I'm like, mm, I, can we just test it real quick? I just, I just want to mm-hmm. double check for myself so that I know peace of mind. So mm-hmm. just make sure that you have a good comfort level and confidence going into this that, yeah, you've tested it and, it and it works. It's worth noting, and you know this is tangential to what we're talking about, but equally as important, I always travel with a backup version of my slides on a USB drive. And the reason for that is if you're using slides, most of the time you're going to be requested to send them in advance. They will want a copy you know, days or weeks before the presentation for that purpose, right? To test everything out, make sure they've got it. But you never know, right? You show up and maybe the rooms got switched or the tech guys got switched from one room to another and now this person doesn't have what you need. Or as they were setting up that day, the laptop that was supposed to be there is in the other room and your slides are missing. So I always travel with a backup copy on my USB drive with me day of gig so that I have a copy in case anything happens. So if you're if, like if you're showing a video just from like a logistics standpoint, do you actually put that file in the presentation or do you like, all right, let me switch out and go to YouTube and, you know, type this in and go here. What, like, what's that process like? Listen, both will work. And I know people who are very much in one camp or another. I also know that there's a difference between some people who will set it up. So they will embed it in the presentation and set it up to animate on click. So when you use your clicker, instead of going to the next slide, it'll play the video. 
I know other folks who put it in there and they go, all right, guys, play the video. And they like shout out to the tech team, right? So I think a lot of it's personal preference and, and again, comfort level with the systems you're using. But I think, again, you always want to try to do whatever is going to create the least amount of friction for your audience. And so my preference would be to embed that in there and have it animate upon clicks so that you're not having to sort of take them out of the moment by switching screens or switching programs or asking your tech guys to, to roll the tape. Right, right. And the other thing, too, is if you're having to switch programs or switch out of something, you and it feels I don't know, it feels less professional if all of a sudden now you've, you're you popping up that person's desktop, you know, and and then, OK, hang on, let me find this other file. And you're just trying to browse around there. The other side of it, too, is if you are if you haven't downloaded it, and let's say you're just trying to stream it from YouTube or wherever. My thought would be there's a lot of Internet potential issues there that could go wrong and what if the wi-fi is not working you know what do you yeah. do anything that's internet dependent the only time i will do something internet dependent is in more of a small group setting if i'm going to be yeah. doing a workshop or a more intimate training where i have checked and i'm sure in advance that i'm going to be able to connect to the internet i actually always travel with a very long internet cable and the adapter to plug it into my mac so that i in those settings i'm able to connect a hard line like right into the wall i want straight up unrefined internet flowing into my machine, right? If I'm going to hinge my presentation on that, I think oftentimes you can actually work around it. If whatever it is that you're showing, you know, you can download it and embed it into the presentation. The same can be done with YouTube videos. There's plenty, you just Google like download YouTube video and there's sites that will download it for you in right. whatever format you want. So you can embed them. The other thing you can do is I have a section of one of my talks where I show an example of an article that I'm referring to. That's an example of what I'm talking about. And it only took once to try to go see that where it didn't work. I went and took full screen captures of every pane of that article page as you scroll down the page. Yeah. And I have them each as a separate slide and it appears to kind of scroll from one to the other. So that way I've eliminated that variable. They still get the experience of scrolling down through this article, but I don't have to worry about whether or not the Wi-Fi is taxed by how many people are attending right. the that day. So one thing I was wondering about is if you're, let's say you're just doing a, a sound check and doing a tech walkthrough and everything works fine based on Wi-Fi, it's mm -hmm. you are one of the few people in the room <laughs> using tech, the, the Wi-Fi. But if you have, um, depending on the nature of the conference, if you've got, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people in there, all trying to, you know, use the internet or connect to the Wi-Fi, like all of a sudden you may get up there and it may not work at all. So again, just all stuff to, to be aware of. Now, one thing that you mentioned, you've mentioned a couple times is a lot of clients want you to send files ahead of time. And I've, I've heard speakers go both directions on this. Some are like, yep, happy to do it. And some are like, heck no, you are not touching my file. Go away. So what do you do? Where do you stand? What are the pros and cons on both sides? I understand why people have really strong feelings about this. You know, again, this is your intellectual property. This is something yeah. you're pouring your heart and soul into making. And there is a concern that someone would take your stuff and use it for things that are not what you'd hoped for. So I always make sure that my contract, which we've talked about in a number of episodes, makes it clear what the slides can and can't be used for, right? It can be used to be sent to the paying attendees who are there for my session. It can't be used to create a webinar without me on it. You know, I make sure to cover myself so that I can be comfortable sending those things. They usually say what format they want you to send. Like I said, I will usually send a PowerPoint, sometimes a PDF as backup if there's truly nothing interactive or if I'm particularly concerned about things displaying properly. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind sending it. I feel like that's part of, they want peace of mind. I can understand that. They want to know that it's done. And I can tell you that I send them far in advance, oftentimes before the required deadline date. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I know 
event organizers really appreciate because they tell me so. They're like, I was so surprised. You know, I couldn't believe we got your slides so early. It really put my mind at ease. I knew that you were on top of it, that you were prepared. So that's a really easy way to not only head off any potential tech issues, but also to kind of, you know, endear yourself to the organizers who are trusting you to help make that day the best it can be. I've also heard of some speakers who get nervous of, or maybe just some horror stories of, I sent my files ahead of time and they edited it, you know? So like, oh, we don't want you to say it like this. We want you to say it like, like that. And you're just like, what are you doing? Like, I'm, you know, I don't come in and jack with your stuff. So don't jack with my presentation. So like, is that a, like a legitimate concern or is that just like some one-off isolated things that have happened with some speakers? I've never had that happen in a conference context because again, you're usually sending them to a tech guy whose job is to file it where it's supposed gotcha. to be. And, you know, and he doesn't care too deeply about Right. what font or color right. you're using. I imagine if you're working in a corporate context, right, where you're doing a highly customized presentation, there could be concerns about that. You can head that off in a couple ways. Number one, we talked about making sure you have a backup copy of your presentation, the way that you want it to appear. That allows you to work around anything. Yeah. Obviously, you know, making sure that, that you're clear about what you are and are not willing to change by sending a file that's not editable, right? So you send them a PDF version or, or something so that they can't be changing things. And by showing up to your rehearsal and your your slide check and making sure that everything is as you left it. And it sounds like it, some of the just, a, or maybe the biggest variable is just the industry that you're speaking to. So there's going to be some industries that are financial services that are going to be highly regulated, high, lots oh, of yeah. compliance issues that, yeah, you have to say it this way and not that way. And that you just got to play by those rules. And that just happens to be that particular industry. So uh, it seems like you'll... Some of that will be industry-based and kind of depends on, on who you're speaking to. Yeah, definitely. This is another thing that I've heard hotly debated between speakers is using their computer versus using your own. Because I know, if I remember right, I remember reading through the speaking writer for, I think it was Seth Godin, and he was like, I use my computer. You do not touch my computer and control of my computer the whole time. And just like very, very adamant, like it's going to run off my computer and I don't want to trust going through a third party. So what do you do? What do other speakers do? What are your recommendations? I know that there are people who are strongly on one side or the other of this, and I can understand the advantages of both, right? If you're yeah. using your own machine, you have full control. You can ensure that things work in the way and on the timing that you want them to work. And I think that that's great. And I think the reality for a lot of new speakers is we don't get, oh, I'll we'll get that luxury. We are not quite Seth Godin, not yet, sure, right? Sure. So in most of the settings where I am, I will use the computers that the event has in place. And again, this is for big events with a tech team where they're anticipating a large number of speakers. And I do that because the same way I like to work in PowerPoint, because that's what I'm familiar with, I want that AV guy to be confident, to know that he's using the machine he's comfortable with. He's got everything set up the way he likes because I feel like that's when he or she will do their best work yeah. is when they're using the, the equipment that they're familiar with. So I don't want to throw a wrench in that machine. I don't want things being unplugged, switched, on my account because to me that introduces more valuables and it makes it so that they may not be able to help me if and when something does go wrong. So, you know, I'm fine to use their computers as long as I've been able to do the testing and checking of the slides in advance and I feel confident that they know what to do. Have you had any issues with it not working or something breaking down that like they dropped the ball on? I think it's really hard to say. I mean, I think everything that could possibly go wrong on stage will go wrong sure. at some point, True. right? Like we've all had slides that don't work or a clicker that doesn't click at the speed you want it to, but it's just part of the game. And one of the things, and my mom used to say this to me as a kid, like nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to do my job poorly today. Like yeah. nobody wants that. So if, if something does happen, if the AV guy, you know, something goes wrong and it's not displaying, 
you know that guy's not doing it on purpose. Like they don't, you know, your AV team doesn't want you to do poorly up there. They don't want things to not work. So, you know, you just got to roll with the punches sometimes. Yeah. So if you are using slides, is there anything that you do just to reduce some of those tech issues? And again, you mentioned like the sending them to people ahead of time, going through some type of tech walkthrough, Mm -hmm. anything else that you do? Yeah. So I actually bring a backup of anything that could break. And I see this as an insurance policy. Most of these things I've not had to use on many occasions, but it's pretty cheap for me to cover that base. So I travel with my own clicker. So I have my own slide advancer that plugs in with the USB drive. So if I ever have a clicker that's not working or there isn't one, then I'm going to be all set and ready to go. Haven't used it yet, but I've got it. Which, uh, which um, one do you use? It's a Logitech. I forget the number, but okay. uh, it's, uh, yeah. Pe- it's just, people like, uh, like we're in a couple of uh, groups with, with uh, other speakers and like they serious. care deeply about yeah. their clickers. And yeah. this one is my favorite because of this, this, and this. So yeah, well, maybe we can find that and post that in the show notes. Yeah, we'll do. The other thing I travel with is any of the adapters or cords I might need. So I mentioned before that I travel with an internet cord and an internet adapter. So in the event that I need to plug into the internet, I have that. I have an extra long charger for my laptop in the event I need to use that. I got an HDMI adapter and a VGA adapter. So again, if we need to plug into a projector and they don't have a Mac adapter or the dongle's not working, then I've got a backup just to help save the day. And I always travel with USBs or other flash drives to be able to transfer slides at the last minute just in case. You only need those situations to happen once before you're like, yep, grabbing one of those, putting it in the bag, and it's never yep. going to leave the bag. And That's what I say. You know, a $6 insurance policy, a $12 insurance policy, even if I never use it, totally worth it. Totally, totally. I've got some, I was cleaning out my backpack the other day, the one that I travel with, and just some random crap in there that I can think of like the scenarios where I'm like, yep, here's why this is in there because I needed it for that one time. And you just, mm-hmm. you just never know, but you want to make sure you're prepared. And the other thing too, that you kind of touched on earlier is the more prepared you are, the easier it makes the job for the client. And you are a speaker that is very low maintenance. You're easy to work with. And that is a dream for a client. And so even if like, hey, as a speaker, yeah, they were fine. They weren't amazing. They weren't horrible. They were fine. But man, they were great to work with. Mm -hmm. And they were professional and they showed up on time and they did what we asked them to do. And they were functional. And all of these little things really add up to create an overall amazing experience for the client, which really makes a huge difference in whether or not they want to work with you in the future, whether or not they're going to refer you whether or not they're going to talk about you and promote you to others. So yeah, just those little things that you can do really make a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, a big part of that is most of the things that we've talked about, these potential issues, you can ask about this in advance. You can head this off from the kickoff call, right? The first time you get on the phone with that client before you even sign the contract, if you want to be prepared, you can ask them all of these questions. Ask them if there's a template that they want you to use. And if so, how and when will you get that template? Ask them about the screen resolution. Is it 16 by nine or four by three? Ask them what the preferred format is. So do they want a PowerPoint file or a PDF or something else? Ask them if there's a logo and a hashtag or a color theme. This is one of those really easy ones when I'm working with an event and I say, hey, you know, what are the colors of your event? You have a logo and I'm always surprised. They, they don't, apparently folks don't ask that very often. So yeah. it makes them feel special, really easy win. And then ask them, is there a deadline to submit the slides? You know, do you need them in advance? And if so, how do you want them? You know, am I adding it to a certain folder or sending it in an email? By asking those things up front, before you even start building your presentation, you're already taking the steps to make sure that as little is going to go wrong as possible. Yeah, good stuff there. So uh, I know we've covered a lot here. And again, I'd encourage people to go back and listen to the previous episode where we talked about the content side. Here we've covered more on the the tech side of things. But yeah, I mean, just kind of an overarching thing that like slides can be really, really powerful. They can be extremely effective for speakers if they're used properly. And so you just want to make sure that you're you're thinking through these variables and not just show up and I just hope it's all going to magically work because there's things that can go wrong and will go wrong. And 
part of the, the the joy of speaking is the walking the the tightrope in front of the live audience, and those things do go wrong sometimes. And just knowing how to uh, how to handle that. Now, one episode we did actually recently about that episode one seventy three is how to prepare for when things go wrong as a speaker, and things will go wrong. Oh yeah, uh, whether it's an audience member or it's something you forget, it, you know, your next line or whatever you're supposed to talk about, or something happens with the tech. So just being willing and ready to deal with those things. So a lot that we've covered here. Any final thoughts? No, just, you know, make sure you're prepared. And when things go wrong, just roll with the punches. That's all you can do. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed uh, that conversation talking about all things slides. Again, if you missed part one, go back and check that out. The previous week's episode, episode 190. And uh, make sure you uh, you check that out. Also, next week, we're going to be talking again. We're going to have Melanie back for uh, another co-hosted episode. And we're going to be talking all about how to prepare your mind and your body for a talk. All right. So what do you do ahead of time? We talk about our own personal things, what we do uh, to get in the right state of mind before giving a presentation. So make sure uh, you come back for that episode. And listen, if you haven't already, you know, we want to subscribe to the podcast. Listen, if you just push whatever app you're listening to this in right now, go push the magical subscribe button so you never miss an episode. All right. Also, if you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review. We so appreciate that. So value that. And we know it helps other people to find the show and uh, listen as well. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.